Hello, welcome to the Can't Blue Podcast. My name's Dan Rowlands and I'm joined here today by Frankie Maguire for your podcast debut, Frankie. Thanks for joining me. I wish we were meeting in better circumstances than a 3-0 defeat at Anfield. Uh, how are you this afternoon? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coping. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't, it's weird, I'm trying to find the word to describe that game and I wouldn't call it brutal. It was more just um, too casual, wasn't it? It was just really sucked the life out of you watching it really, didn't it? Yeah, I just feel a little bit frustrated or annoyed by it, which is weird really. And John said in, in the week leading up to this, you know, Liverpool have only lost one game at Anfield in the last two seasons. This is going to be a, a tough game. And I made quite a song and dance about, well, you know, Liverpool can be got at, you know, there, there is vulnerabilities there. No Van Dijk. There's this kind of question marks about Mohamed Salah possibly leaving. He then goes on to score and it's absolutely unaffected him. But uh, there are things there that maybe Villa can, can get at a little bit. Um, you then go down and, and concede what in the first three or four minutes and any game plan that Emery would have gone there with is out of the window and, and that changes the game massively. But Villa were nowhere near at it at any point during the game and, and looked a yard off the pace, a yard off Liverpool at all times and that's just really quite annoying. Yeah, it's massively frustrating because you compare it to when we went to Anfield in May and Liverpool were on yeah. the back of a seven-game winning streak at that point, I think. And we ended that and we stopped them getting into the Champions League because of that result. And so Villa at that day was so good at stopping uh, Trent whenever he came up from defence and came into the middle. He'd get, you know, John McGinn coming deep and uh, disrupting him or Ollie Watkins would come back and disrupt him. And I think it was Fabinho at the time. And the high line really, really worked. And so today it felt like it was a complete contrast and that Villa, it, that, while they were so intense in May, today it was way too casual. And I think there's probably a couple of reasons, you know, the question mark after Newcastle was, can Villa cope playing this high line in a high-intense environment like St. James's Park or Anfield without Mings? And yeah. there's two games now where you start to wonder, I'm not, it's, the, the evidence isn't great so far. Um, that's not to you know, say, I want to do away with the high line or anything like that. But it's just, um, I do wonder whether perhaps we could have sat a bit deeper today. But um, yeah, I mean, if when, when you go to Anfield, the, the thing you've got to do is the first you know, 20 minutes, just ride out the storm, you know? Mm. And if you can see the goal as sloppy as we did in the first five minutes, you're just going to give yourself an absolute headache for the rest of the day because you've you got to work your way back in and you're constantly going to be nervous about, you know, losing the ball and then they get another goal and the game just gets away from you. So you just got to, you know, not concede sloppy goals early on, basically. It's very basic. But, um, yeah, um, to give the corner away like we did, with Torres, who had a really tough day, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. And then for Zoboslai to score with no one on the edge of the area to really mark him or stop him taking that chance, uh, it was it was it was the kind of sloppy, slop. It was sloppiness that we didn't show back in May, and that's what was really frustrating. Yeah, I'm going to try and incorporate some of the live comments as we go through. Uh, Jason says, who's this guy? I missed the intro. Uh, it's Frankie from the All Villa No Filler podcast. Frank, I love some of your shows, by the way. I oh, thank you very much. The way early doors. Some of the kind of guests that you get on who are kind of experts in their field is something we've tried to do over the last uh, six months, and you do it very well. So uh, go and check out Frankie's channel if you want more Villa content. Uh, the second kind of theme in the comments so far seems to be talk of a plan B and a plan A. That Emery is very good what he does, setting things up in a certain way. when it doesn't go to plan and we need to change things. We don't seem to be able to do that. Now, I don't know whether that's a bit of a recency bias thing that we've not played great in the two games against Newcastle and Liverpool here when things don't start to go wrong. It's kind of like, oh, what, what do we do now? 
I feel like there was probably times last season when Emery adapted things and changed things during the game and, and, yeah, and yeah. saw things out for us. So I don't want this to be Emery doesn't know what he's doing because that's absolutely not true. Mm. But so far at the start of this season, it does feel a little bit like when we when things don't go our way, we are looking around for somebody to go. All right, lads, let's just calm down. Let's, let's you know, let's just take a step back. Let's keep things calm, and that would probably be Tyro Mings. And yeah. him not being there is a massive loss, but it does feel a little bit like when we're up against it, against a good side, we don't really know what we're doing. And that's mm. that's a concern. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, there's a few players, you know, I don't want to make excuses about players not being there, but it, it does impact you when you don't have players like Ramsey, <laughs> Moreno, yeah. Quindia, Mings particularly. And even, you know, at Anfield in May, we had Ashley Young there, who was a bit of an experienced head. And I just think, you know, today that again that back line, it's it, you know Diego Carlos hasn't played for a, a full year, um, you know, and so again it, it's slightly they're slightly having to still get used to each other, like Torres and Carlos and Conza, and again, you know, first twenty minutes we lose Carlos, and again that, that mm. just disrupts the game plan straight away, really. But I mean, with regards to whether Emery can change the game, in fairness, like last season, you know, I think under Gerard and maybe even Dean Smith as well, to be honest, and as much as I love. Sadine, as I call him, um, there were a lot of games where you'd be like the substitutions would come very late, mm-hmm. uh, or you didn't feel like they'd come at the right time. Whereas with uh, Emery, he's been very proactive with making changes. I think last season, I guess the question is now like, and why, and probably why the international break might actually come at a good time is you can look at quite a few games where we've absolutely demolished teams. Um, already this season, but then had those two games where things had gone so horribly wrong. And the team's mm. a pattern in the two games where things have gone wrong. And so maybe there is a case to be made that Emery needs to kind of look at the personnel he has in that defence and perhaps reconsider how we approach games like Anfield away or St. James's and then, you know, late the season places like Arsenal away or, Man, you know, Man City, for God's sake. So, yeah, there's definitely things for him to think about uh, in the coming week or two. Yeah, I'm, I don't want this to be kind of doom and gloom and it's the end no. of the world and Villa are going to have a bad season. No. So that, that's that's not the case at all. Villa can still no. go on to have a good season and, and be successful despite Newcastle specifically and Liverpool. I am a little bit, I don't know the concern is the right word, but we look good against sides that you'd expect Villa to beat, which is a trait Villa haven't had in the last 10 years or so. <laughs> yeah. You go up against tricky, tricky, you know, tricky sides like a Burnley away or Everton at home and you think, oh, if things don't go our way today, Villa will kind of crumble and capitulate. That seems to have gone now under Emery that if Villa are expected to beat somebody like an Everton at home, we do. And that's mm-hmm. a, that's a good thing to have because that will keep us consistently picking up points against anyone in the bottom half. I expect Villa to be able to beat, you know, give or take. The worry now is that I feel like anyone in the top 10, I'm now thinking, oh, that's a tricky game. Whereas last year, we got a point away at Anfield, like you said, and we beat Man United at Villa Park. You know, we beat Newcastle at Villa Park, of course. I felt like we could beat anyone and that we were playing this kind of great uh, free-flowing football and this big kind of belief that Villa were going to do something unless all push for the, the Conference League together and the top seven. But this year we've started maybe with expectations changed a little bit or different pressures and it's not quite living up to the hype that we hoped it would. But it is early doors and I'm hoping that this is just, we'll put it down to being a bad day at the office rather than kind of underlying problems. Yeah, and I think where we're fortunate is that we do have a top coach who I'm convinced is now going to go and spend, you know, he's not going to sit around playing Legend of Zelda for the next two weeks. He's going to be, you know, he's going to go into his office and watch every single minute of Liverpool and probably Newcastle as well. And just 
consistently try and look at what what went mm. wrong and why it went wrong and how we can react to that. And with Emery, at least, you know, we have a manager where I'm confident that he can he can react to that and can work it out and is, you know, willing to change what he needs to change with the personnel he has. Um, so, yeah, so, I, yeah, as I say, I'm not like kind of um, doom and gloom about it at all. Uh, and I think Villa will get better against the top 10 sides. Uh, I, I just think that, Again, something to think about as well is that, you know, those top sides, like they do have the best coaches and they will have studied Villa as well and the way we were playing towards the end of last season and maybe we identified a few ways they can hurt Villa. Yeah. Um, and there's still, you know, I thought today, to be fair to Liverpool, I thought their press was really disciplined. It was very, very good. And what they did do really well is, I thought Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah were really good at cutting off the passing lanes for Pau Torres. And mm. it was partly why I feel like Torres was so, like, just a bit befuddled, really. Um, it just felt like every time he tried to play it out, he'd look up and it'd be like Salah or Darwin would move into the exact right position where it's like he either couldn't play it out wide or if he tried to play it into the centre, there'd be someone straight onto a Kamara or Douglas Louise. It was, I think, you know, they ba- it basically looked like they had five on top of our defence and midfield. And you'd look up and you'd just see two midfielders there just kind of swamped by Liverpool mm. players. It was, yeah. it was well coached from Klopp in fairness as well. Yeah, Liverpool are a great side. Like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of having a one eye on the comments here, and there's a lot of kind of mass negativity that I don't agree with. Like, Villa are absolutely rubbish. It's like, we're no, not. You know, no, it's it's, no. it's one bad game or two bad games if you count Newcastle. Like, these things are going to happen. I would expect Liverpool to be up in the top three of the Premier League and, and beat yeah. most teams, especially at Anfield. So I'm not going to define the rest of our season based on today, but I do agree that there are things that have been thrown up today that make you question. Emery as a, as a coach, certain players, and that's absolutely fine. Like We've been very pro and I Emery over the last seven yeah. or eight months, and, and rightly so. But as we said in the Newcastle show that we did, if things don't go the way that we hope and we think, well, why has he done that? It's okay to question it and say and, and kind of wonder what's happening. I think the key word that I've seen on social media, and before we started, we were having a quick chat, naive. It's how yeah. I felt with a approach to the game today. Emery persisting with the high line at Anfield, who press so well, as you've described, feels like a massive own goal before you even start the game. Mm. A couple of the players, I think, naive um, Torres for the what led to the goal to try and play out from the back. And yes, he's Completely. been told to play that way. And we did a show when Torres signed, actually, with a, a guy who's a Villarreal fan. And he was saying, that if, uh, if players make mistakes, it's on Emery because he's telling them to play that way. So Pato won't now be hounded for, for making an error. Uh, to concede the ball where he did that led to the corner that led to Sebastian's goal, which is a great finish, by the way. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, annoying. Um, <laughs> but he's been told to play that way. And occasionally throughout a 38, 40, 45 league uh, game season, mistakes are going to happen. Yeah. Um, but for it to happen the way it did, early doors, at least to the corner, they get the goal four or five minutes, you're 1 0 down at Anfield. 15 minutes later, you, your centre half goes off injured. Hmm. Sounds like Newcastle away, doesn't it? It's, you know, yeah, it's, very not similar. Extreme, it's not an extreme injury in the same way Mings was, but it just disrupts things. Hmm. The substitution for Bailey as well, I'm also not sure whether that's the correct decision or not. I always don't... It's something like, well, it's both ways. When a substitution affects more than the one position, hmm. if it... You know, if it's an attacking substitution, it allows you to be more creative. You kind of go, well, that's a good thing. Defensively, yeah. I always worry that he's brought Bailey on for cash, which affects the right midfield where cash is playing, kind of. And the centre halves as well, because then Conza pushes back. So rather yeah. than it just being a straight swap of Carlos off for Longley, for example, which again throwing him in for his debut, probably isn't the right decision either. 
But that one substitution of Bailey coming on affects cash coming back, Conte going over, and it's just more disruption to a back line that that Liverpool are going to to get chances against. Yeah, I think naive is the word for me. Yeah, naive, and I think casual as well. It did. It mm. the first half felt a bit like watching cricket. You know, it was sunshine, a bit casual. The crowd was pretty quiet. It was half expecting Freddie Flintoff to walk outside hitting sixes from the centre circle. But it, it, yeah, it, um, a bit casual. Even even Liverpool didn't like, as, as sort of you know as ferocious as their press is. It didn't even feel like they had to be like too into you know into their top level no, no. really. And um, Another frustrating aspect of it was that Villa actually did create chances, you know, and that the yeah. occasions that we did, you, you, you know, if you're at Anfield, you've got to take them chances, which is obviously you know, a very simple thing to say. But, you know, there was one occasion where Douglas Luiz hit a fantastic pass out to Luca Dean. Dean puts it into the area in the first half and Bailey and Watkins kind of get muddled between each other as to who's going to take this chance. Mm. And you're just thinking like, ah, like that's, that kind of summed up the entire team performance. I thought that like there were yeah. moments of threat, but no one was really willing to just take, you know, take the lead and therefore take that a chance when it was take, that came. John McGinn as well. I think first half was a lovely pass from Diaby into his feet, and it, you know it wasn't an easy chance, but certainly one that he should have got on target. And I think the way McGinn's been playing this season, you'd expect him to. And again, over the bar. Cash header in the second half, good save from Allison and Durana mm. hitting a couple of wild shots. Actually, there were there were chances. I mean, if it had been seven three today, I'd have been like, yeah, fair enough. Uh, repeat. There's a, well, um, there's a moment Douglas Luiz played the RB third with a very simple ball straight over one yeah. of the Liverpool centre half. I can't remember who it was, yeah. but it kind of um, brought true the things we were saying before the game that Liverpool could be got at, and yeah. balls behind their defence, you know, will lead to moments where Villa have chances. And I wonder that. Again, I don't want to be kind of too overthinking here, but we spoke about similar things in the uh, Newcastle show about the psychology of, of footballers uh, with obviously losing Tyra Mings that day and that how it affects you as a footballer. Mm. I don't know when that chance was specifically that I'm talking about or the one you mentioned where Bailey and Watkins kind of neither of them do anything, whether that was already 2-0 at that stage. Yeah. The psychology of it, if, if you're at Anfield and it's 40-odd minutes in and it's nil-nil, maybe you're one or 2% sharper to think, well, I've got to get to that ball because it's still nil-nil. Mm-hmm. And you're already 2-0 down and you've lost one of your centre-halves and that to make changes. Maybe subconsciously there's a slight thing in your head that thinks, oh, I can't get it, so I won't I won't try. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying they're yeah. not trying, but I just wonder whether if, if some of the chances Villa had came at nil-nil, would they have been more maybe confident to actually put them away? I think mm-hmm. if those exact chances came at Villa Park against Everton, for example, a couple of weeks ago, we do score two or three goals. 100%. Whereas away at Anfield, when we're already behind, it just didn't quite come together. Mm. And it's, you know, it's, yeah, just uh, sometimes that energy of the crowd at somewhere like a Villa Park. Again, you feel like Villa Villa's players will take a bit more responsibility with chances like that. Mm. But yeah, today, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was 2 0. And I remember the chance you mentioned where Douglas always hit that very simple ball over. I think it was to Diaby, hit it mm. across. And again, you're right, like kind of at a 2 0. It's, 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 you know, somewhere in your mind, you're probably thinking like, well, how do we get back, you know, into this at Anfield? But ultimately, you know, that's that's the professional footballers, and that's kind of what they've got to they've got to do, really. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, just on the whole, I think just with the chances created and the chances conceded, it was just um, naive and casual. They're the, they're the two words I'll use to describe that. I think mm, the comedy of Mandrew just. Um follows upon what we were just saying there so changing shape so early doesn't help we yeah, practice all true. week to throw three at the back and then change after 15 minutes absolutely and those that's things true. will have had an impact but Liverpool to their credit are a great side and, and will beat most teams as we've said so 
I don't want to read into it massively in terms of the result, but there were, as I've said, questionable things throughout the performance. Mm. Pau Torres, talked to me about him a little bit in the pre-season show we did. I said of all the signings we made so far, Torres is the one that throws up question marks for me more so than the others. Yeah. Tielemans certainly offers something. But, um, Diaby looked a very good player. This was before Longley and Zaniolo, of course. So it was only those three at the time. Torres, yes, good, good on the ball, good progression, all those kind of things are, are granted. But defensively, I, I just wondered at the time. Obviously, Mings was still fit then. Where does he fit in? Does it make too many changes? Mm. Now that he's straight into the side and playing every single week, of course, and again, he probably would have played every week anyway, but he's now in the side maybe sooner than he would have been if Mings was still fit. On the ball, yeah, looks good. Can pass the ball, absolutely. Great ball through for Duran the other night against Hibernian. Again, lesser opposition, but still the, the technique is there. Defensively, there's just not quite there yet. Leaves a little bit to be desired for me. And mm. I don't want this to come across as like the, the anti-Pau Torres show because I've... I've called him out a couple of times now but there was moments during that game where it, it looks like he's running through treacle yeah it was a tough day I think for Dean and uh, Torres out there on that left hand side of the defense um, and I think I think with Torres I think in in the games where we've absolutely blitzed teams recently um, Torres has been quite a crucial attacking player in the fact that he presses mm-hmm. further forward he's so patient on the ball and he's at, what he's been really good at I think is when you know, Louise and Kamara sort of separate and the, the opposition midfield follows them. A gap opens and Torres has been mm. really good at hitting direct passes into the feet of a McGinn, Watkins and particularly Diaby. Um, and, you know, you saw that assist he got against Hibbs as well for uh, Jon Duran. So I think that in games of either a, a dominant, Torres, you know, playing higher up, you know, he, he's looked really, really comfortable, really good. But as you say, yeah, there's been those two games against... Um, you know, Newcastle and Liverpool where, uh, yeah, when Villa have to be a bit more of a defensive unit, you do wonder, like, if Mings was fit, I don't know, would Torres have perhaps started on the bench instead and Mings is more, you know, utilised on the left for these type of high-pressure games? Um, I don't know. It it would have been quite interesting to see, I think. Um, So, yeah, but I do know what you mean. You know, there was one occasion, I remember against Everton, I was sat in the North stand looking straight down on it and I do remember uh, Dan Juma sort of Caused him a couple of problems running at him, but um, as you say, I mean, I don't, I don't want, don't want to sort of get at him too much. I think he's been a, a attacking wise, you know, he, he reminds me of like, almost like a really talented CDM on the ball. He's, yeah, he is really yeah, good at yeah. that, but it, yeah, there are question marks that have been thrown up by Newcastle and Liverpool now about how well he can cope uh, in these sorts of games where Villa aren't so dominant, and whether Emery now will sort of need to go away and slightly rethink how we play with the defenders available and including Torres, to be honest. There's a few comments about like Villa lacking physicality or maybe a mentality thing. Do you, well, I'm not going to flash them up because there's, there's a few, but uh, there's one here from Scotty who says another big team and Kamara goes missing in action. He needs to get tougher and fitter. And again, I actually think that's a pretty underrated point. There are there have been big games where Kamara goes missing a little bit. And again, mm. when you're expected to beat a side and have a lot of the ball and look comfortable, Kamara looks a very classy footballer. Yeah. When we're against it a little bit, I've got question marks about whether he's, I don't want to say up to the fight, but that's the only phrase I can think of as we're live on air. Uh, there's moments in the Chelsea game last year, I think, when he received the ball and just looked a bit shaky. You just think we need somebody there that you can absolutely rely on. And I don't know whether he can all the time. Don't get me wrong, like I said, he's a, a great footballer, as is Pau Torres that we've just spoken about. He's a very good footballer and defensively he will get better as time mm-hmm. goes on. But because they've just been thrusting to the first team, we need them to be good now. We haven't got, yeah. we haven't got time to let them have 10 games to warm up because 
I'm not saying Villa will be cut adrift by their ambitions by then because Villa gave teams a 12 or 13 game head start last year and still went on to have a decent season. Yeah. But we need to be at it from the off and we're not. And There's been a couple of occasions now where we start games, Liverpool and Newcastle, and we look a yard off the opposition yeah. and they score early and the game's over. And that yeah. can't be the case going forward. We'll have to start playing and, and start coming out on the front foot, uh, front foot quicker. Mm. And, that, and you know, that didn't really feel like the case last season, particularly when we got really no. good under Emery. Um, you know, scored I a lot of goals in like the first 15 minutes of games, didn't we? Exactly, you know, and I think back on like I don't know Brighton of the last day of last season where we were so mm. at it, you know, straight away. And the same with Liverpool away last season, and I guess the physicality aspect of it. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like some of the players missing, probably it doesn't help in that sense. You know, Mings and Ramsey, I think particularly in that regard, uh, and Buendia as well. Buendia is a physical player, but uh, something mm. I was noticing today with Kamara, and I thought Louise did well actually. Um, there was a couple of moments Louise show what a classy midfielder he is but um Kamara um a couple of occasions where him and Louise get the ball and it was almost like they were having to beat two Liverpool players um yeah. get it and it'd be like Liverpool just swarm over them and the, the options were just just not there for them to turn and the, you know they'd, they'd sort of maybe beat two players and hopefully get a ball forward or um just have to pass straight back again and so again I mean you'd, you'd in one respect, you do have to credit Liverpool with how they, they pressed. I mean, it was it was it was pretty impressive how they structured it. And Sobosla, I thought, was very good as well. And mm. obviously Trent um just had freedom of the part, which was frustrating. But uh but yeah, um I think with Kamara, uh again, I, I sort of don't want to get these these players too much. I think it, it is it's kind. It's kind of how we're doing that. There's a, there's a comment here saying uh, Kamara's only 23. Man, give him a break. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're not we're not having a go at the players individually, but we're just talking about performances. Yeah, he's a Premier League footballer, and we're here to talk about a Premier League football game that's just happened. I'm not digging any of these players out personally yeah. in terms of what character they might have or what or whatnot. It's just that certain players don't have great games sometimes, and we're here to just give our thoughts on it. And sometimes yeah. that might be just come across more harsh than than we intend to, possibly. Um, like we said, we now have a show on a Monday where we're a little more relaxed, possibly, than the game's just finished 20 odd minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. Like everything is just racing around our heads at the yeah. moment. I don't mean it to be kind of harsh on anybody, just asking yeah. some some questions. Um, the comment from Kelvin I like Is it possible that Liverpool are just a really good team and have better players than us? Plus, we've had a hot, an off day. I'll repeat 34 more games where we will be better. And I absolutely agree with that. Like I said at the start of the show, most sides in the bottom 10 are expected to be home or away. So yeah. Certainly at home, but you know we'll go to a lot of sides away and set up well and win. Uh, it's just there are a lot of good teams in the top half of the Premier League now and other, other sides around us look look stronger. Um, obviously, Newcastle and Liverpool are two that are out of the way already, two tough away days out of the way early doors. Mm. Um, it's 50% now uh, win ratio in the Premier League, one, two, lost two. Yeah. Beat the sides you probably expect us to, Everton, Liverpool, and lost the sides that you would possibly expect us to lose. Yeah. But I would like Villa to have a bit more resolve to be able to go to a St James's Park or an Anfield and not concede eight goals between the two games and maybe nick a point out of one of those rather than just kind of capitulate. Yeah. And it's, you know, as I say, you're not helping yourself when in the first kind of five minutes you're giving away really sloppy goals. And yeah. same thing happened at Newcastle. So, no, I think you're exactly right. So, yeah, we're not like digging anyone out or going at them. It's, I think it's, like I say, I think the thing that gives me the hope really is that we do have a manager who can go away and study this and work out exactly what's gone wrong. And mm. because he's, you know, he's a proven winner, he's you know, done so well at so many different clubs and done so well for Villa so far that I am confident that he'll, he'll figure out a way 
to play these sort of games in future um, where, with teams like a Liverpool or a Newcastle who can really get at a high line away from home because um, he is just going to have to react to this somehow and work out you know, potentially a different approach. Um, not that I'm saying do away with the high line because absolutely I'm not. I think it works. Uh, I, I like it a lot. But um, yeah, even leading up to the game, I was a bit like, there was. I saw a few people were quite concerned. Would we cope with that Mings and uh, with this mm-hmm. high line at Anfield? And um you know, there's going to be plenty more tests to come for it as well. But uh, yeah, today today was just, um, I think it just started badly and just never recovered from that, really. Yeah, and, and that does happen sometimes yeah, in, in, in Premier League, at Premier League level. There's a few comments about Ollie Watkins. Lee Johnson says, we need to talk about Watkins, no league goals, can hold on to the ball, can't find a pass at the moment. Uh, and somebody else, uh, Adam, is Watkins' league form a worry? Obviously scored the hat-trick in the first leg of the uh, Hibernian game. Again, massive golfing difference between the quality of Aston Villa and Hibernian. So, take that with a pinch of salt. But a good striker finishes chances regardless of the opponent. Uh, although John Duran's goal against Hibs in the second leg was absolutely made because the goalkeeper came into no man's land and made him make the decision for him. <laughs> um, but no goals in the league this season. I think I've seen somewhere that it's one goal in his last 10 league appearances now, which right. isn't right. brilliant if that if that yeah. is correct. Um would you put that down to just being a bit of a blip for Watkins, or is he, or does that concern you basically? Uh, it it doesn't concern me too much because Watkins seems to be one of these players where, uh, while during his time at Villa, he's had like patches where he've, he's looked a bit like his first touch isn't quite right, or he's, he's not holding the ball up too well, and it always seems to coincide with these patches where he's not scoring. And then what will mm. happen is he'll get a goal, you know, who's say won't be back against Palace in two weeks. And suddenly he'll go on a hot streak and he'll look really confident on the ball again. And I think that there is an element to him that sometimes I wonder if he is a little bit of a confidence player. Um, mm. And as a striker, he's a bit streaky. Just neat. You know, the aim for him, I've, I've thought this season, is to go and get, try and aim for 20 Premier League goals. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a bit of a concern that, um, you know, one in 10 is, is not, you know, ideal. Um, but I, at the same time, I just kind of feel like with Watkins that he'll just. Once he gets one goal, it'll, it'll be absolutely fine. Um, so I, I'm not not too worried, really. And I think his goal will probably come relatively mm-hmm. soon. You mentioned the international break earlier, and I was going to ask you, it's the age-old age old question, isn't it? Has the international break come at a right time for us? You would have won today. You've been going, no, it hasn't, because we want yeah. to play again. We want to uh, capitalise on that momentum. But Emery will now have a couple of weeks to kind of overanalyze what, what's just happened over the start of the season. I do wonder how effective that will be with a lot of our players out on international duty. And obviously, there won't be a benefit to that. But Emery himself will be able to kind of get his thoughts together, I guess, over a couple of weeks. Hmm. We come back in the end, after the international break for September with Palace at home. Uh, Warsaw in the first group stage game of the Conference League on that Thursday evening after Palace. Chelsea away on the Sunday. Everton at home in the Cup on the Tuesday in the Carabao Cup. Uh, and then Brighton at home to end the month. So that's Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Saturday, which is a pretty hectic yeah. month. Just glancing at it, Palace at home, Abacus, Everton in the Cup. We've already beaten once this year, Abacus. Brighton at home is a very difficult game because they're very good. But again, we're at home and it fits the if it, if it's at the end of a month where we've played well, you never know. Yeah. Chelsea away, Forest have just gone there and beat them, so that's not a, a massive, uh, a massively difficult game in terms of maybe if you're thinking ten years ago, Chelsea away is, is tough. Yeah, they're, they're still uh, in a kind of early stages of a rebuild. Warsaw is obviously a bit of a, a um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a it's a one-off cup game kind of you know 
it's so random. We'll just kind of wait and see what happens with that. But again, Villa, the opposition difference should be able to uh, beat them in terms of quality. But their home stadium looks like a good, good atmosphere. Yeah. It's a good intimidated atmosphere like, like that could oh. be difficult. Yeah. But overall, that's a monthly look at. I think there's points there for Villa, regardless of the start they've had and, and maybe a bit of teething problems. It's another yeah. couple of weeks for, for, for Pau Torres. Oh, he's probably on international duty, isn't he? I should know this. I think he is. Um, but it's a couple of weeks for Emery at least to get things organised and you'd hope that they'll come back on September the 16th, I think it is, mm. with a bit of something about them to beat Palace at home and maybe kickstart a bit of a run. Exactly that. I think, you know, Crystal Palace don't have a very good record at Villa Park um, generally. So that I think that could be a game, you know, I think you'd take that over having look at, you know, United away or whatever, the first game back from mm. the international break. Um and, you know, yeah, I, I think the main thing is hopefully there's no injuries because <laughs> we could really do without any more injuries, I think. And who who knows? I think I'm not sure when Ramsey and Moreno were due back. I feel like it was sometime in September was the... Yeah, there was a few different reports. It was just, I think, after the international break at one stage. So I don't know if that's yeah. for Palace, whether that was the aim. And then they'll probably be assessed near the time. But if Moreno and or Ramsey were even back for that Palace game, that would be a huge boost because they, yeah. they're so key to the way we play. Absolutely key. But um, Ramsey's just um, the Ramsey and Moreno out on that left hand side have been so good mm. really since uh, since Emery came in. And um and yeah, it's it's uh it's a big it's a big test for these players and with the volume of games they're gonna have towards the end of September. We this is not some whilst these players are a lot of them are internationals, the Thursday to Sunday thing is a is a different experience, isn't it? And it's one that I'm not sure many of them have ever really experienced too much so it's going to be interesting to see how they react to that and I guess the, t- the some of the games you look at be obviously you know Warsaw away is a unique experience but then I guess Chelsea away is an interesting one in sense like you know whilst Chelsea are a bit all, all over the place and weren't very good against Forest at all it's, it's still you know Chelsea away and still have the players to hurt yeah. you in behind and I guess that'll be an interesting one to see how Emery approaches that game given what's happened at Newcastle and Liverpool whether that's the one where he might shift things slightly but you know you never know by then we might have Ramsey and Moreno back and it might just yeah. really give us a bit of impetus but I think Palace at home next is probably one you'd be I'm, I'm happier we've got them at home not to say that we believe we're just going to go and battle them or whatever you know but uh, I think I'd rather take that than you know Man City away or something like that yeah of course yeah <laughs> Um, to end then, because we've just hit the 30-minute mark and I do want to keep these pretty tight, because especially, again, the Sunday-Thursday uh, thing is unique for us as a podcast as well, because it was in my head it was like, oh, we'll film on a Saturday night and then we'll do a more in-depth version on the Monday. But mm. now it's like, no, we've filmed every Sunday so far and Monday, so we're only like repeat things. Uh, <laughs> so just a call for comments, really, on, in the YouTube video for tomorrow's show. If you've got a question or a topic or something you want us to talk about, Get involved in the comments section and that will be used to kind of set the agenda for, for tomorrow's conversation. One thing I wanted to come to you first with and to the comments for tomorrow as well. As soon as Diego Carlos went down injured in the 15th, 20th minute today, my Twitter feed was full of things like, Villa are cursed. This thing always happens to us, Villa are cursed. Have you ever had a feeling or can you can you mention a, a specific moment where you thought, oh, Villa are cursed, yeah, there's something at play? Oh, uh, from, from the moment Martin O'Neill walked out the door to uh, probably about the moment we got promoted. So it was about 10 years of me <laughs> every day of my life thinking, do I support a cursed football club? <laughs> um, but, you know, things things have got better since. Um, so, I mean, specific examples, I can't really think off the top of my head of too many. But um, I, I guess cursed in the sense of, like, we have a good player and you always fear, like, 
someone one of the you know United up north or something mm. will come and take them. That that feels a bit like that. But um, uh, at the moment with the injuries, it does feel a little bit like things are not going our way. But you know, I'm hoping that in, soon enough that some of them will come back and the squad will look stronger and Villa might actually start to build a bit of momentum. And hopefully today we can look at in a few weeks' time and go, oh, that was that was a, we learned from that and we've got better. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully so. Like we, I know we played. We keep saying lesser opposition with Everton, Burnley, and Hibs, but after that Newcastle defeat, we did win four games on the exactly. trot. So you know, let's hope that we can now put a mini run together in in September and just take it a month at a time. Yeah. Uh, Frankie, thank you very much for joining me on your first uh, appearance on the Clarkley Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, it's a shame it's not in better circumstances, <laughs> but uh, we've had a, we've had a good chat at least. For those people watching along, either live or after the fact, do get involved in the comments section because I'll be using your thoughts for tomorrow's show on Monday. Uh, me and Matt Kendrick are recording early doors Monday, so that should be out around lunchtime. Let us know any uh, moments where you think Villa have been cursed as well. I think that's a, an interesting talking point because I can't do an hour specifically on Liverpool. We need other things to talk about. So uh, get involved in the comments. Thanks everyone for watching live on Sunday evening. We appreciate it as ever. Cheers again, Frankie, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hold up. 